Welcome to another inspirational episode of Monetizing Your Creativity. Ashley Como is an actress, writer. Well, I'm a main stage alum of the Second City Toronto. I did sketch six nights a week, eight shows a week, and then improv six nights a week, eight shows a week, and it was the best job in the world. Monetizing Your Creativity asks the question, what does it take to earn a living with your creative talents? When I'm coaching and teaching and working with with people who are coming up the ranks and I see a little bit of them being mean, I'll be like, ah, mm -mm, you're failing the John Cleese test. Never fail the John Cleese test. Just be nice. We focus on the success principles common to all disciplines by interviewing producers, directors, writers, actors, cinematographers, music composers, animators, designers, and much, much more. Learn how to create your own path to success. Let's roll. Well, hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Monetizing Your Creativity. I'm your host, Marvin Polis, and joining me is our co-host, Fred Keating. We are at the Banff World Media Festival. Fred, just a bit of a review. What is this festival all about? Well, this particular festival, this is the 37th annual event in Banff that brings together buyers and sellers in, originally, television exclusively. Now, all digital media is included. Hence, the Banff International Television Festival, the con of television, if you will, morphed into the Banff World Media Festival in order to incorporate all the new things that the digital world has to offer us in programming. And so buyers and sellers of uh, concepts and programs come here to do deals, meet each other. They're also here to enjoy the Canadian Rockies, the majestic Canadian Rocky Mountains. It's a great place to create, sustain, and nurture personal and professional relationships and answer the question, who is Ashley Como? Ashley Como is an actress, writer. She's Toronto-based, but in fact travels internationally and contributes now, thanks to the digital world, contributes her work internationally as well. So, Ashley, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thanks for having me. Back to my original question. Who is Ashley Como? You wear so many different hats. It's true. Well, I'm an actress and writer and producer hailing from Brampton, Ontario, just outside of Toronto. You can tell I say Toronto with an extra T, so I'm not actually from Toronto. I'm a a Swiss Army knife type of person. What you need, I'll become. Well, when in fact did this what you need, I'll become bug first hit you, first bite you, I should say? Ah, okay. I would say at the age of six, I knew I wanted to be an actor, but my vocabulary didn't include that word yet. So I told my grandfather I wanted to be a mannequin lady, probably because I grew up watching Today's Special. But, you know, I wanted to do that thing, too. I worked tirelessly, and I still do, um, as an actor and, and a writer. But sometimes you have to sustain your income by different means. So I got into producing as well. And I want to hear about the work that you do with Second City in Toronto. Well, I'm a main stage alum of the Second City Toronto. I wrote three reviews with um, with them, nominated for Adora with one of them, which was pretty amazing, with the ensemble cast, not me independently. And the Dora for our international listeners? Ah, yes, it's a Toronto-based theatre award, and it's very, very lovely and fun, Adora Mavenmore Award. I wrote three reviews with them spanning over 2011 through 2012, and that means that I did sketch six nights a week, eight shows a week, and then improv six nights a week, eight shows a week, and it was the best job in the world. And then after you you finish your contract with them, you go on to 
ideally teach for them, for their company, and travel with them. And they, they have a company called Second City Works, which goes into businesses and, and helps improve your business through improv means and, um, and the tenets of improv, which is a wonderful thing. Can you train people in improv, or is it something that they either have or haven't got to begin with? And are you more a teacher than a coach or more a coach than a teacher? I mean, it sounds like there's some directing aspects in your quiver as well. Absolutely. Your first question, are you kind of born with it or not? You can definitely teach anybody improv. (laughs) This is going to sound quite cultish, but improv changed my life in such a wonderful way. Simple things like the tenants is based on like yes anding people, supporting, trusting, opening your mind and being accepting of things. And when you implement that in your everyday life, it can help with your relationship, your business relationships, and obviously improv as well. The one thing I would say you can't teach would be comedic timing. I feel like that is either in you or not. When you're teaching improv and becoming a facilitator for business improv or or a coach for people who are just starting out, yeah, there is a directorial aspect to it, but it's about engaging the people and making sure they're having a fun time and watching Oh my gosh, watching them kind of get their first laugh by telling the truth as opposed to like punching down when you punch up satirically or when you're vulnerable in your truth. Oh my gosh, it is it's one of the most rewarding things. I want to back up on one of the points that you just made about trusting and supporting your fellow actors because you told me a story a couple of days ago when we first met about how you worked with John Cleese on a project and how you were really impressed with his whole mindset. Tell me about this. Before Second City Main Stage, which is one of the six paying jobs for sketch and improv in the country, which is huge. Before that, Klaus Schuler approached me. He was looking for actors to be in a Just for Laughs gala in 2009 in Toronto with John Cleese. He asked me if I could do it. Of course I said yes. I had this fear that meeting him, I thought of anyone, he can be a jerk. He can be a jerk because of his resume. So if he's a jerk and if he's not nice, then that's fine. That's that's totally fine because he's in Monty Python, for goodness sakes. Like, he can be, in my mind, that. But when I met him in rehearsals, he was kind. He opened doors. He remembered everybody's name. Even if you were just an extra in the sketch, he remembered everybody's name. He was vulnerable. He asked questions of the director when he didn't quite understand something. And to see somebody of that caliber and who holds that status in my mind, be real and be a human being, I thought, ah, be nice, be nice, always be nice. When you're starting out or when you're John Cleese, just be nice. So when I'm coaching and teaching and and working with, with people who are coming up the ranks and I see a little bit of them being mean or punching down or trying to make their name by being by being cruel, I'll be like, ah, mm-mm, you're, you're failing the John Cleese test. Never fail the John Cleese test. Just be nice. It's quite a tribute to Mr. Cleese. I want to go back a little bit as well. We were talking about you teaching improv. My understanding is that a number of of folks not interested in becoming improv stars, but actually sharpening their own skills uh, in the legal profession or the medical profession or the education profession as teachers and lawyers and doctors are, are taking these improv classes in order to think more quickly and react more appropriately to the various challenges they have in terms of needing to think on their feet. Absolutely they are. In this day and age I personally find that we're always plugged in. We're looking at our phones, we're waiting for the email to come, we're half listening and Honestly, it just distills it back down to listening. 
and responding, waiting, reacting, letting things go through your body, go through your mind, as opposed to just going, oh, okay, I have, I know what to say now. I know what to say now. When you do that, you're half listening. And that happens for many reasons, nerves, intimidation, you're bored, whatever. But getting rid of that stuff that doesn't serve you or the other person lets you engage more. So yeah, we have a myriad of people at Second City and Bad Dog Theater in Toronto coming out to take these improv courses, whether it's to get better at public speaking, whether it's to think outside of the box because they're in a nine to five where their brain is in such a cubicle. Doctors, lawyers, oh my gosh, yes. Um, and sometimes, sometimes people show up and they don't even know why they showed up. They just said, well, it was this or salsa class. And I mean, this seems more fun. <laughs> And they generally have more fun. Marvin is looking at me. He's seen me try to salsa. That's why I turned back to improv. Please, I'm a visual thinker. Let's just not go there. So, Ashley, you know, something that we talk about a lot in this podcast is is the career potential in the creative industries and that misconception that it's, it's either feast or famine, that you're either going to be a starving artist or you win the lottery, you knock it out of the park, you become John Cleese, basically. But... Really, there's this zone in the middle where there are hundreds of thousands and millions of people around the world who are earning a good living. Do you want to speak to that? Of course. Of course. I mean, that is the stereotype, and it does exist. I read a, an article recently about Christine Horn, a fabulous actress, who said that when she was nominated for Adora and I believe a Canadian Screen Award, she couldn't make her rent. So sometimes, yes. 100% that does happen. But I found that when I turned to producing as well, I was finding as a as a creative person, there wasn't something that spoke to my voice. So I started to write. And as an actor, I'm a size 12, I'm a curvy lady. But uh, I was finding that you were either the ingenue or the old hag. There was nothing for me. And you know, sure, I could play the ingenue and I love playing the old hag, but that, <laughs> there's so many more voices for women and Canadians and and brunettes and whatever the category you fall under. And so from acting, I went to writing. From writing, I went to producing because it wasn't enough to just have the content out there. I didn't have the connections. I didn't know where to go. Improv kind of helped me open my mind there and go, ah, yes, and move forward. Yes, and keep going. Yes, and figure it out. Read the books, meet the people. And through producing, not only can I get my own content made, uh, sure, it might not be a big blockbuster movie or anything, but you learn about grants, you learn about connections, you learn when to say yes and when to say no, but you then aren't the starving artist because you're doing it. So part of your career strategy has been to wear several hats. Exactly. She's improvising her career. Exactly. <laughs> that's monetizing your creativity as well. It's create. It's not being totally dependent all on one roll of the dice, all either or, feast or famine. You've been able to generate for yourself a number of streams of revenue that not only keep you in the game, but also keep constantly improving and expanding your own personal and professional network within the industry. Mm -hmm. uh, with Second City, I started as a host there. And I watched every single night from the door how they did it, how my heroes failed, how they succeeded. And I watched and I watched and I watched. And then I would go and watch the tapes and the tapes and the tapes. And with every promotion I got with Front of House, I was very, very thankful. Colleen Beaton is a goddess. She's an incredible manager. But every escalation I had with Front of House, I was gracious. I said, thank you. But also just to let you know, that's the job I want and would point to the stage. She was like, okay, okay. So being around and selling yourself 
while doing those other jobs, I don't think there's any shame in that. And no one else is going to sell you for you. I think that's a really good point. If you want something, ask for it and ask your mentors what it's going to take to get it. Exactly. And sometimes I will say this, you know, it's not all yeses, but the odd time if I have to go to a serving job or a desk job. In my 20s, I carried this shame with it. I didn't like how it felt. I felt like a failure. Now there's been a mind switch and that has served me better. So sure, if I have to pick up a serving job or a catering thing for a pocket of time, that's what I'm doing to fuel my productions. I don't believe any of that is wasted. Any of that time or experience is grist for the mill and tremendous stories or tremendous avenues of, of research are already laid in place when you, when you are cast in a role that calls upon you to be familiar with that kind of environment or mindset, what have you. I believe some of the greatest films we've seen, serious or comic, have come out of the creator of that film's own background. No one told me that growing up, so I felt because I wasn't on an NBC show, I felt like a failure. It was the mind switch that started to serve me and looking at it as a character study, as interactions with people, as balancing egos sometimes at a table or, or anything like that. And letting go of that shame made more room for creativity to grow and for ideas to come. Ashley, thank you so much for those sage thoughts. I know our listeners are really going to appreciate this. Absolutely. Appreciate your time. Appreciate the energy. Always. Ashley, thanks so much for being with us. Are you kidding? Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for tuning in to Monetizing Your Creativity. Be sure to join us next time by subscribing to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please leave a review. It helps us with our ratings. You can also visit monetizingyourcreativity.com for more information about the show. And hey, be sure to tell your friends who want to understand how to monetize their creativity.